get a lot, you know, this phrase of, oh, you play like a man. And I used to perceive that, you know, like normal thing. But now it's like, that's not normal and that's not right. I play like a woman, you know. People have tried to tell Daniela Serna what she can and can't play, what she and other women can and can't do. She's not listening. In fact, quite the opposite. She's creating empowering spaces and joyous fight songs, and she's doing it with the sexiness and swagger of a woman who is unapologetically taking up space. Her career so far is a testament to music's ability to make community, and she's just getting started. Today, we head to Bogota, Colombia, and hear this percussionist's journey to playing her own rhythm and helping others do the same. Welcome to the One Beat Podcast. Welcome back to the One Beat Podcast. I'm Kyla Rose Smith. And I'm Elena Moon Park. Today we are talking to Daniela Serna, feminist activist, cultural producer, percussionist, songwriter, and founding member of the critically acclaimed female-led band La Dama. Daniela is such a powerhouse. In this interview, we hear about her journey from being a shy girl playing a bell to becoming an outspoken feminist leader, someone who's not only touring the world with their own music, but is actively creating spaces for other young girls and women to become leaders themselves. You know, I met Dani when we were both One Beat Fellows in 2014. And even then, she had this irrepressible energy. I was so inspired by this conversation, particularly her clarity of vision as a musical organizer. I mean, she pretty much single-handedly organized a music festival in Colombia. The theme, Vagina Power. She has this incredible instinct for how to raise her voice and help others do the same and all of this through a deep and rooted love of Colombian music. So, let's dive in. But first, here's Pora Maracatu of La Dama's debut album. Happy to welcome Daniela Serna to the One Beat podcast. Daniela, hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Kaila. It's a pleasure. So, Dani, let's start with your path to becoming a musician. When did you start playing percussion? Well, it began with uh, me being really shy when I was a little girl, like five, six years old. And my dad was really interested in giving me like an alternative space to distract and engage, I guess, with others. So I began my music education in a very alternative school called Nueva Cultura, New Culture. And the beautiful thing is that the program was all based in oral traditions from South America, Latin America in general. And I became from being really shy to be quite 
outgoing. So I'm very grateful for music, truly, to, to, to help me express my emotions without fear. And yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful school. And was there a moment where you really chose percussion as your instrument? The first one that I was driven and passionate to just keep playing was bongo. Bongo and campana, it's one specific part from salsa music. That was when I saw like my percussion light, like when I received the call, I was playing campana, bell. I was receiving a lot of feedback from my teachers, like, oh my God, your bell sounds like... So when I did it, of course, it shines. And it's so simple, you know, it was like... But at the same time, it meant a lot as me as a part of the band. And I was also feeling more confident about myself because this process that I talked to you Mm -hmm. about, me being shy and then being outgoing, it wasn't like in one or two years. Like it was a transition of like five, six, seven years. So at that point of the bell, I was 12, 13. I was feeling like not the most prettiest girl or, you know, just not really confident of my body. You know, these kind of things that I now I am and I can just talk about it. But as a 13-year-old girl, it's like, no. So I guess, yeah, the campana was giving me that trust that I needed in myself. It's such a great story, such a clear moment of realization. Were there any particular teachers that played a role in your early musical life? Actually, the first percussion female teacher that I had when I was 15. Now I know like she's a lesbian, you know, but back in these days, you know, she was very masculine and she was wearing like a short haired cut and she was, you know, bold and she wasn't the typical kind of woman I was used to seeing teaching me music. And now I see like, oh, that was such a great example for me to have that kind of, of role model. And I, I'm privileged because I've never felt judge of yeah just criticized for being a woman in precaution I do get a lot you know this phrase of oh you play like a man and I used to perceive that you know like normal thing but now it's like that's not normal and that's not right I play like a woman you know To better understand the musical tradition and context that Daniela emerged from as a musician, I spoke with Beto Arcos. I'm a music writer, a music journalist. More of, than anything, I'm a, a radio journalist, writing, covering, interviewing musicians from all over the map. Emphasis on Latin American music. As a Latin American, uh, growing up in Mexico, Colombian music was everywhere. It was the soundtrack uh, because of the popularity of its infectious, contagious music. In fact, I'll admit to you right now, uh, I learned to dance with cumbia, not with salsa. And and it was because of this very strong presence of of cumbia music that came to us from Colombia. Throughout the decades, uh, their music has been so, so present in uh, the lives of, uh, of Latin Americans. Now, specifically, I'm talking about the music of the Caribbean uh, coast of Colombia. Colombia 
It may seem like a small country. It's roughly the size of Texas uh, or a little bit, little bit bigger than that. But it's a country that has seven music regions. And every region has dozens of rhythms and genres and music styles. And so, you know, as a, as a country, I think of Colombia as the powerhouse of Latin American music. You know, if you look at Colombia and, and consider just, just in terms of the population, uh, it's roughly a third of it is of African descent, a third of it is of indigenous, and a third of it is Spanish. The same could be said of the music. There's a third sort of of it that's African, a third of it has got indigenous, and a third is of the Spanish-European influence. People that they've been calling it a couple of years ago, they were calling it the land of a thousand rhythms. It's not a, it's not a stretch to say that, actually. Okay, so back to Danny. Danny, I know you play percussion from Colombia's pretty vast musical traditions. Was there a particular moment that put you on the path from being an amateur musician to pursuing a professional career? There was a workshop with uh, Emil Sempacheco. He is like my first master and reference of the tambor alegre, of a person that's actually heredera. It's his heritage, mm -hmm. the bullerengue, you know? He's uh, an Afro-Colombian and his mother was a bullerenguera singer. Bullerengue is actually part of his daily life. He went to my university and there was this workshop, Bullerengue. I, I was not familiarized with what Bullerengue actually meant. So I get into the class, to the workshop. He was explaining the groups, so he explained fandango, I remember, because it's a 6-8. You know, like we have that in every single place in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I saw his hands and I was trying to just repeat what he was doing. And I was like, okay, I got this groove, I can do it. So he asked, who wants to come and, you know, actually experience the workshop <laughs> and let me tell you things. So I was, okay, I'll go. So as soon I, I sit down in the tambor and I t the first thing I told him was, I don't know how to play tambor. <laughs> and I put the hand and he was, shut up, you do. Look at your hand. Like, you know, that was another great moment of confidence for me. So I did the, the thing and he started to sing and we jam one song and he was like, great. <laughs> wow. After hearing the story from Danny about meeting Pacheco for the first time, I wanted to know more about the origins of Buyerengue. So I asked Beto. What I do know is that indeed it is music associated with women from the beginning. Uh, there are only a few, a handful of men that, that perform this music, but this is music really associated with women because it's music that's played along the river, the Rio Magdalena, in the north side of the country. And it's associated with the, uh, as they say, the, the labors, the works, the, the women's uh, jobs, if you will. This is music that really is born out of this necessity 
of women to communicate through rhythm. The main figures of, uh, of Bullerengue are not men. Uh, Petrona Martinez, uh, Seferina Banques, Etelvina Maldonado. These are the three major figures of Bullerengue. It really has, I think, something to say about the empowerment that women have in this particular region of, uh, of the country where, where it was a necessity for them to claim something of their own. And it was music that they needed, they created to accompany themselves in, you know, toiling in the fields, in the, in the home. I think it, it speaks to uh, how music becomes this sort of, uh, in, in the larger picture of Colombian music, has been this sort of balm. After this workshop with Pacheco, you began to study with him. Can you tell me about that? And does he live in Bogota? He lives in San Juan de Uraba. That's his small town. Mm -hmm. He has a beautiful family and he's the leader of Tradición, Grupo Tradición de San Juan de Uraba. That's the name of his Bullerengue band. And in his community, of course, he's a leader because... These communities are so poor and so forgotten, yeah. olvidadas yeah. por el gobierno. So having him as a legend of Bullerengue, as he is, it's important for his town, for San Juan. Yeah, he's just a, a great, great person and composer. The way I learned with him, like the, how do you say? Inmersión. Immersed mm -hmm. in Bullerengue life with him. When you decide to go to his house, you can spend one month or more with him if you want in his house. And he's going to just give you a room and his family is going to be really like beautiful host for you because he's a fisherman. So he's going to go out in the morning to bring the fish and then you're going to cook and you're going to eat it at lunch. But all day long, he's going to be singing and writing songs. In the morning, oh, so there's no water to take a shower. There's no water, there's no water. Then he goes to the fish and he comes back and he's like, oh, there was so many fishes. So many fish, so many fish. It's like all the time that way. But he's gifted. It's not like this for all Bullerengueros. This really speaks to the history of Bullerengue as a music of daily life and empowerment. Did you get that sense from him? He's such an activist without even thinking about it. He has a strong opinion about, you know, how system works in this country coming from a community where they have richness in their culture, but the government and us as Colombians, we have told them basically dignity. It seems like the combining of music and understanding the systems that affect your daily life is also an important part of your music now. When did you find this artistic voice? We had this um, debate inside La Dama. The first day we had an interview with a woman in Barcelona asking us, are you guys feminist? <laughs> yes, no, no, yes. Uh, mm. That was four years ago. So afterwards we keep talking about it and Maria... Mm -hmm. Fernanda González, she confronted me and she was telling me this, not forcing me, but she was kind of pushing me. Like, you play drum, you know, mm. like you sit down, you play an instrument, you're a strong woman. Mm. How could you not be 
a feminist. How could you not say you're a feminist given the history you have and the instrument you play? And now I get it and now I understand. Yeah, just being a woman who plays the drums. Uh, I do feel like empowerment through the tambor and I've seen it through other girls, women that uh, learn with me. Uh -huh. I have students, men and women, sure. but with some of the women, they come to me and they talk to me about this, about how, you know, they're beyond understanding a rhythm or being an investigator of the rhythms. They're like, I'm having this releasing and I'm having this liberation. So it is powerful and beautiful that us as women have this opportunity to play congas and drums and yeah, yeah. understand that it's actually a tool of uh, emancipation. Right. And you have been working to create these spaces of emancipation, as you say, for women, especially through the Totona Power Festival. That was my idea to have a platform to give more visibility to women in music, I guess, but lately also to understand how we need to fight ourselves for equal spaces in festivals. And the idea began because while we were in Venezuela, we learned the beautiful word totona, which means uh, vagina. Uh -huh. And it's so cute because nobody in Colombia will ever understand that. That's not part of our slang. But do you have slang for vagina in Colombia? See, uh, well, you say cuca. So you say cuquita when you're a little girl. You say... Um, Churumbela in oh, the Pacific word. coast. It's like uh, Nidia Gongora, and this is a great song. The whole song is singing Algo me pica, me pica la churumbela. Como se dice picar, scratch, itchy. <laughs> It's a hilarious song, but it's so good because, you know, you just sing about your churumbela or your cuca and it's totally fine. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. What's the big deal? So... I felt in love with Totona idea and, and that's what I did Totona Power Fest and it became a reality when I post on Facebook saying uh, musical goddesses that want to play I was like receiving 60 comments I was like oh my god there's a lot and half of them were musicians that I already no, but half of them were like, oh my God, there's so many songwriters, singers, women playing different instruments. So that was beautiful to discover things without expecting that. Why we need to fight for spaces? Because if you see Rock al Parque, biggest festival in South America that happened in Bogota, Stereo Picnic, which would be like celebrate Brooklyn or something, there's like 5% or 7% of the lineup is going to be female bands there's a lot to learn in music industry to understand how the industry can just embrace and uh, be inclusive and respectful with women 
I think it's very necessary to have these feminist spaces, not only a festival with a lot of women because, oh, it's beautiful, we have a lot of women. No, we need to have a discussion and debate about it and understand why it's important to create spaces for women and what you see, oh, not only women, uh, how many Afro-Colombian women do you have in festival? The percentage is just lower. Oh, how many trans women do you have? Even lower and so on and so on. So it's been beautiful because it has forced me to investigate and try to be prepared to create a space where there's culture, but there's education, there's diversity, music. It doesn't matter what you play. What matters is that we celebrate and embrace women in music through empowering ourselves with saying vagina that it used to be such a taboo in Colombia. Hi, <laughs> my name is Maria Fernanda and I am from Venezuela. I want to introduce you to Sara from the United States, Lara from Brazil, Daniela from Colombia, and Pat, our musical collaborator from the United States. Thank you. Thank you. We met in 2014 at a musical fellowship in California. And then we decided to keep going together and we found La Dama as a way to continue what we had begun in this fellowship, writing, composing, producing our own music, while working on socially engaged projects in each country in respected communities. Now we are a cross-cultural collaborative project looking to empower youth and women through music. That was La Dama speaking at their TED Talk in 2018. You just heard Maria Gonzalez talk about how the band met at One Beat in 2014. Dani, the band's name is your names, Lara, Daniela, Maria. It's also a fusion of all the places and traditions that you come from, Venezuela, Brazil and Colombia. How did you come up with the name? We were playing with words. We were just doing poems and words in the car. I'm playing, truly playing. And then, okay, the name of the project. Malada. Mm. Dalama. Mm. La Dama. I'm not going to scream the way we screamed that day when we were like, oh my God. Like we want to make a project to impact girls in vulnerable communities. And we can use La, la Dama. It was just perfect we didn't even think that much around that idea but la dama also has a meaning in spanish right la dama and as you would say in english a lady it's a very elegant way to refer a woman in spanish la dama it's definitely resignification to go just beyond the idea of a lady, because when you talk about this lady, la dama, that it's so elegant, it's like a porcelana. A uh, porcelain. Yeah, like you're made of porcelain, and this idea of women, oh, you're going to break if you, you know, go beyond your limits.
like the idea of the woman, the lady, being delicate and fragile, but hidden inside her is the strength and power. Are these some of the ideas that you bring to your workshops with young women and girls across Latin America? There's definitely an impact that we didn't see the first months we were touring where girls actually perceive that thing you're talking about, Kyla, where they feel strong and they feel free to be whatever they want to be, you know, because I was about to say the same. You can be a woman, you can be fine, you can be elegant, you can be fragile mm. and it's beautiful. But it's more than that. It's just the fact that women are not just one thing. Right. So I guess in a way, yes, because we have uh, experience and interviews we used to make after workshops from the girls about how they felt stronger or inspiring just for seeing us playing the instruments we play but that's not how we approach the workshop or that's not something we actually say to them it's more like a result of the practice itself like this marriage of activism and music has only grown for you as an artist. This is something I've been building since one beat. I've been building this idea thanks to La Hama, thanks to Totona Power. And in every song that I've been writing recently is the fact that uh, you truly can activate yourself and make little impacts in your daily life. The way you talk the way you express and how you can be propositive. Yeah, proactive. Doing more than complaining, actually making something happen. See, you can complain and it's okay to, to be critic and say, hey, this is wrong and this is wrong. Uh, women's rights are being abused in Colombia, trans rights, immigrants' rights, campesinos' rights, Afro-communities' rights, indigenous' rights. But then we have to create alternatives or support the alternatives we have among ourselves to actually make the positive impact. So I guess music, it's been before my generation and going back to Bullerengue or Cumbia or the music that I love the most, these are, this is resistant and resilient music born in a violent and oppressive context. But we don't talk about that. And now you see and you compare 2020, how much has Colombia changed? Not at all. Actually, not at all. We as consumers do have a responsibility to understand what kind of music are we listening to and what we support with the songs we listen to. Because at the end, music is just like a map, a radiography of, of what's happening in your country and in your society at the time. So I just feel a lot of responsibility with my songs to express reality.
como me vienen saliendo y yo, y yo, voy poquito a poco y la marea me va meciendo Thank you for tuning in to the One Beat Podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Kyla Rose Smith, and Charlotte Gartenberg with essential help from Eleanor Moon Park, Jeremy Thal, and Yokabi Karaoke, mixing by Zubin Hensler. Special thanks to Beto Arcos. Throughout this episode, you have heard the music of La Dama. You can find them on all streaming platforms. We also heard music from Emilson Pacheco, La Perla, Nidia Gongora, Petrona Martinez, Orito Cantora, and Jen Del Tambo. You can find a full playlist on our website. Next month, we travel to Malaysia to talk with experimental composer, digital artist, and theremin player Ncho Guan. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts, and please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us at One Beat Music. That's the number One Beat Music. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the ECA Banganakan, Found Sound Nation, or any of its employees. One Beat is an initiative of the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs in collaboration with Banganakan's Found Sound Nation. Mm-hmm.